I wanted to talk about uh, the parish of Breshit. You know, I, I, I very rarely have had the opportunity to give a shear on Breshit because usually the parish comes shortly after, uh, on days, days of the week, shortly after Shmidi Atzeret. But this year, we decided to have a shear on Breshit, in spite of the fact that it's just after Shmidi Atzeret and everybody is putting away their sukkah, etc. So we're going to give this shayur, which is uh, given in loving memory of Ophir Agassi Zal, by his loving family, and of course by the person who is giving this shir. Ophir Agassi was a beloved student of ours. Um, you know, I think about the Torah. I think about the Torah. Is that one like? Is it organized? Can it kind of make a claim about what its content should be? We just finished, so this is the moment when we might know the answer to that question. I think that the answer to that question is clearly, clearly Shmot Vayikra Bamidbar. And Devarim, the books that are part of the legacy that was specifically left for us by Moshe Rabbeinu. This idea of Moshe Rabbeinu, who was a, an actor, there are uh, stories about him, there are events that are connected to him, there are things that we learn about daily life from him, from Moshe Rabbeinu. But we are also indebted to Moshe Rabbeinu for teaching us the Torah. And all of that can be put sort of like Shmot Vayikra Bamidbar Devarim. Those four books of the Torah are the books of Moshe Rabbeinu, both in terms of style and in terms of content and in terms of significance, mitzvot and ma'asim. Mitzvot, commandments, do this, do that, stay away from this, stay away from that. Come to us through Moshe Rabbeinu, come to us through Moshe Rabbeinu. And, and uh, the stories about Moshe Rabbeinu are what make up the Torah. They make up the Torah. And the book of Bereshit, the book of Breshit is different. It's not about it's not about mitzvot. I mean, there, there are certain mitzvot that are mentioned in the book of Breshit, like Brit Milah. I mean, you know, not it's not the the job of the book of Breshit to tell us about uh, uh, mitzvot. I mean, those are the three mitzvot that you could mention, but they're generally going to be repeated in the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu gives us, so we don't really need them. The book of Breshit seems to be uh, uh, a strange, a strange book, actually. Because the the real Torah, the Torah we need, the Torah we need on a daily basis, 
which contain the stories that are important for us. Right? They teach us. Uh, they teach us how we should act, how we should be. Musar. And, and Breshit is different. Now the person who who taught us or took note of the fact that there is a problem in the book of Breshit was of course Rashi. And Rashi in the first Rashi in Pasuk Aleph of Breshit Rashi teaches us why the book of Breshit is as it is, what it means. But beyond that, Rashi teaches us how to try to learn the psukim of the Torah. So if we learn the psukim, you look at it. Let's, we'll look at it. I mean, I know I'm supposed to get one of these things here. Um, yeah. The first pa the first pasuk says Breshit It's now on the face of it, that pasuk seems to us to be kind of simple. I mean, the word Breshit, uh, we have to think a little bit, but we understand because we've all heard the uh, the English translation that in the beginning, in the beginning, bara, bara means to create, okay? I don't know what that means, really. But I know that it indicates something. It's a, it's a, a marker. This is what God did, God bara. Do I understand what that means in the modern day scientific or technological way? No. The third word in the Pasuk, Elohim, is, is the choice for the name of God who created the world. And we know that sometimes God is called by a variety of names in Hebrew. And so naturally, we'd like to know why that name was chosen for this first Pasuk of the Torah. The Pasuk ends. Et ha-shamayim v'et ha-aretz. Et ha-shamayim v'et ha-aretz. Oh, shamayim v'et ha-aretz. But we know, because we've already read that parasha in Shmini Atzeret, we know that God uh, did not create et ha-shamayim v'et ha-aretz altogether, but they were created, the creation took place in a week of days, each day, something else was created. So when we say it sounds like it's a kind of a topic. It's a starter, a table of contents. God created heavens and earth, which means, which means that we're going to learn about that. It doesn't mean that God created heavens and the earth. We know that that's wrong. I mean, at the same time, we know that it was done over time and days. Okay, so we know that. Then we look at Pasuk Bet. 
We have to learn three psukim. Three psukim. Aretz like that, Tovavo. Another another case. I don't know exactly what Tovavo is, but I kind of have a feel about it. It was unclear. It was undistinguished. It was not separated. It was something like that. Choshech al home. So what do you mean Choshech? You mean Choshech because there was no light? Or Choshech was something, something darkness that God created. Al home to home, the big empty space. So you have Aretzaytatovavo, I barely understand it, but it sounds like there was something called Aretz. When was that created? Choshech. When was that created? Does it have to be created? Is Choshech the default? Alpinei Tehom? Tehom is some kind of cavernous reality. The third part of the Pasuk the spirit of God, the wind of God, the spirit of God, the spirit of God, meaning that somehow God's presence was known to us. Let's say it means hovers. The spirit of God hovers. So this is a description. Basuk bet is a description of a situation that existed. number one, number two, number three, none of which we can attest to on our own, or that we know what we we know what any of this means. Finally, Pasuk Gimu. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So I would I would say that if I had to choose a pasuk, if I had to choose a pasuk which described the first steps of creation, I would choose pasuk gimel. And pasuk gimel says, Vayoma elokim yehi'or. That's the first thing that God did. But then I don't know exactly what to do with Pasuk Aleph that says, There's no, no light in that Pasuk at all. Or Pasuk Bet that says, There was kind of a confusion in the world, in the Aretz. The and the world was enveloped in darkness. Remember, we don't know whether darkness is just the absence of light or something, something which could be something. And the third part of the second pasuk, the spirit of God was seen to be, or noticed to be, or understood to be, hovering, 
Al-Pudayamayma, the face of the waters. What waters? Where did these waters come from? And then in this whole situation that existed, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And within the context of our limited understanding of all of these things, the pasuk that seems to me to be most understandable is again the third pasuk. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Okay, that makes sense. I, mean, I don't know how God did it, but I can't be expected to know that. I'm not unhappy that I don't know that. That's a product of my humanity. I don't understand what I can reflect upon. I can think about, but I don't understand how it works. You know, Hashem is like the ultimate magician. I know that he's doing it, but I don't know how he's doing it. And that's just fine, because that's what the Torah wants us to know. Along comes Rashi. And Rashi, Rashi wants to help us understand things. And so the way he starts out is by asking a question. He starts out by asking by asking a question. Oh, my Rabbi Yitzchak. See that? Just one second. Let me, let me underline it. Uh, for many years, for many years, the people learning Rashi didn't know who Rabbi Yitzchak was. They couldn't find the source that Rashi was using, and that's an important thing. Rashi wants us to know the sources. And obviously, this is a so there's a source of our Rabbi Yitzchak. We didn't know who Rabbi Yitzchak was, so there's a short story. There's a medrash on Rashid that Rashi knew Baal Peh. He knew it by heart, called the Tanhuma, after the name of Rabbi Tanhuma, who starts off the, the medrash. It was only about 200 years ago that there was discovered a second medrash called Tanchuma. And in the second medrash called Tanchuma, this story of Rabbi Yitzchak appears. So Rashi knew, Rashi knew that medrash. He knew there was a Tanchuma. That, that Tanchuma was called variously the Buber Tanchuma, because Shlomo Buber, who was the grandfather of Martin Buber, uh, kind of prepared it for, for print and, and published it. He was a person very interested in Jewish books and Jewish learning. So in that Tanchuma, which is sometimes called Tanchuma B, sometimes it's called a different, it has different names and different printings. They don't want to mention Boober's name. You might think that it's the, the other Boober. In any event, that's the story. Omar Rabbi Yitzchak. So Rashi quotes, Lo Torah, Ela 
שהיא מצווה ראשונה שנצטוו בישראל. So Rashi, Rashi is asking a kind of ultimate type of question. He says, are you sure that these psukim in the parasha of Breshit about the creation of the world are really part of the Torah? Isn't it possible that somebody accidentally added things and that's how we got the book of Breshit? After all, you know that Rashi himself says that the book of Breshit was not given to us at Harf Sinai, but they knew the book of Breshit. It was before Harf Sinai, before Egypt, before Yitzhak Mitzrayim, before all of those things that are the wondrous way that we as we received the Torah, all of those, all of those things. The Torah, so to speak, was something that everybody had. The Torah that starts from Moshe Rabbeinu was what Moshe Rabbeinu had to finally, at the end of the Torah, write down and give out to all the tribes. But the first part of the Torah, the book of Bereshit, they knew that somehow, when they had an actual book, or they knew it uh, by heart, they had learned all the stories of, I don't know. So according to Rashi, according to Rabbi Yitzchak, there's a kind of a competition is the book of Breshit. And then there's the book of Shemot, and what should begin things? True, chronologically, the book of Breshit comes first. But in an order of importance, since there aren't any mitzvot, we spoke about that before, there aren't any mitzvot in the book of Breshit, and all of the mitzvot, and all of the actions that Moshe Rabbeinu took, from which we learn how to be and how to act, all of that starts in the book of Shemot. So Rabbi Yitzchak says, I don't understand. If Hashem is going to give us the Torah, shouldn't he write it or present it in the proper order? And wouldn't the proper order be to start from the first mitzvah that was given to Am Yisrael enabling them to be a nation, right? Which is the mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh and why that mitzvah is the first month's mitzvah, nothing we can't talk about today. But that's what he refers to, Yisrael means the entire nation of Israel received its first mitzvah under the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu. And isn't it true and that mitzvah was Kiddush HaKodesh? The new moon, it's the new moon mitzvah. Then he continues, says, Matam, you see Rashi. Batach bebreshit. What point is there to start the Torah from Breshit? Start the Torah from the most important moment in history. The moment in history that changed everything. 
And that's the mitzvah given to B'nai Yisrael in the beginning of the book of Shemot, not so much at the beginning, but somewhat in the beginning. After Yitziat Mitzrayim, right, which enabled Moshe Rabbeinu's leadership, and in the two areas that we spoke above, the area of mitzvot and the area of deeds, of good deeds. Why did he start from Breshit? And so the answer in the Tanchuma that Rashi is still quoting, he said it's all because of a puzzle that expresses the idea that we are concerned with. What's that idea? Koach ma'asav, igid lamo, koach, the, the power in the actions of God, igid lamo, he told his people, the first thing that God wanted to teach us was that God is all powerful. Latet lahem nachalat goyim. Even to give them the inheritance of the non-Jews. What is the reference to? The reference is to the non-Jews who were living in the land of Canaan. So Rashi now explains, or the Medrash explains itself. She'im yomru olam Yisrael that if Yomru Umota Olam, if the nations of the world, the people who are not going to learn to do mitzvot, the people who are not interested in being that kind of people, but the people who have an end or part of the story, Shem Yomru Umota Olam, Li Israel is Timatem. That if the nations of the world will come to the Jews and tell them, you are robbers, you're robbing our land, you are, you are uh, stealing the land of the seven nations of Canaan. Shivat Goyim. Right? Eim omrim lahem kol ha'aret shal ha'kadosh bochuhi They, the Jewish people, will tell the Canaanites all of this land, all this land of Canaan belongs to ha'kadosh bochuhu. He created, he created the world and gave it to whoever he wanted to. It was his will that gave them the the land, the Canaanites. So Rashi. He, he recognizes that there's a philosophical issue with the conquest of Canaan. And we know that the book of Bereshit 
is the creation of the promise. The relationship between Avram Avinu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the promise. God promised us that we will be a great nation and we will inherit the land. That's our, our relationship to God is based on, on that promise, is based on that promise. So what happens if we go to collect that which belongs to us? We go to collect Eretz Yisrael because Eretz Yisrael is given to us by, by a Kodesh Baruch so we go to collect. And they, they go and they say, listen, they say, according to some system of law, you're just a bunch of robbers. Well, what did they mean? There were war, there were, there were wars that went on all the time over small pieces of land in every part of the world. What are these Shiva Amin Kanan in the seven nations of Kanan? What are they arguing? What's the argument? It's as though they say, the Canaanites say, you Yisraelim, you Jews, you're the ones who accepted the Torah. You're the ones who accept the system. You're the ones who think that there are good people and bad people. And that you could identify the bad people. You're the ones who think, so how did you imagine that you could conquer the land that God gave us? I mean, how did we get there? We, the seven nations of Canaan, how did we get there? We got there because God put us there. So how are you coming in the name of God to to usurp that relationship that we have with the, with the land of Canaan. This was apparently, at least according to Rashi, a winning argument, something that had to be pointed to at the beginning of his commentary. According to Rashi, the people were, it was not clear, it was not clear how ownership worked. And if God put the seven nations of Canaan into the, and into Canaan, wouldn't that be a rationale? for retaining that kind of ownership. I mean, what if they, they say, God put us here. We're here because God put us here. And if God put us here, how could you come in the name of God and take that away from us? I think it's a sophisticated question. So that the Tanhuma that Rashi quotes says, says, uh, 
You see where the answer starts. Everything belongs to God. And the fact that God gives temporary license to the nations, the seven nations, to live in Canaan doesn't mean that divine ownership has been undone. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not any longer. Quite the contrary. God created the land of Canaan and gave it to, to the ones that he thought should, should uh, uh, adopt it at that time. Somebody raise the hand. Just talk. I, I, I don't have it here. Sorry. So, in some rationale, from what he was saying, couldn't it be that always the one with this, maybe the uh, obviously the strongest army or the people who are there are the rightful owners? Because God had kind of let it be so. Does that make sense? So, it if say the Jews were to be kicked out again from Israel, that oh well, God let it happen, so therefore it's supposed to be that way. I imagine that these kinds of assessments are very complicated. It is God does not relate to a two-dimensional kind of world. But we know how complex everything is. The complexities that God knows about are infinitely greater. So you can't, I mean, we, we taught ourselves to think in terms of what could we have done wrong or what might we do better. But that doesn't mean that we can determine, quite the contrary, most of the Rishonim disagree, that uh, a punishment to Israel doesn't mean a breakaway of the, or breaking down of the relationship. And here, what we're talking about, what Rashi is talking about is, how do I clarify to myself that this was, that this is a worthy enterprise and that the relationship between God and the children of Avram Avinu, which is based on receiving the land of Canaan. That's what God told Avram Avinu, that that's kind of a reasonable thing. It's, it's, not, it's not something that we can ascribe to uh, the kind of behavior that we might not be in favor of. Okay, the next thing that Rashi says, Rashid Bara, you see the, the listing of Rashid Bara. Eina mikraza The word darsheni, darsheni is a, a drash. 
Midrash is uh, the way that the Chachamim saw it. Was, is, uh, you could read the words without kind of background, or you could read them with background. And that kind of background is called a drasha. So, Eina Mikra Zomer Eladarsheni, right? This, this Pasuk, uh, Bereshit Bara, in the beginning God created, Rashi says, if we just leave the words as they are, we're going to be in trouble. We're not going to be able to figure out what it says. So Rashi says, Rashi says, Breshit Darsheni, that this pasuk demands a kind of a, a, a more involved or difficult kind of interpretation as we found as as Rabotenu, right? The the uh, wise men of the past have taught us. And what was the interpretation that they taught us? It was this: Bishvil Hatorah Nikrat Reshit Darko Bishvil Yisrael Shnikru Reshit Buato. So, the word Breshit doesn't just mean in the beginning, because if that was if that was the case, the bet at the beginning of the word would not be necessary. But the apostle could have read Breshit bara. So what it what what the added bet the added bet according to the Midrash comes to teach me Bishvil HaTorah for the sake of Torah, meaning the world was created in order that people should learn Torah. Shvil HaTorah great Reshit, the Pasuk. Shvil Yisrael Shenikru Reshit. Right? And then there's also Reshit Tivu Ato. So Rashi, Rashi says, I've got to take this Pasuk out of the chronology of things and put it into the ideology of things. This pasuk is not a description or a statement about the creation itself, but it's a statement of why God, it's a statement of why God created the world. B, you see that B? Bishvil Torah Shenikrate Reshit. Where's the Torah say Reshit? Pasuk in Mishlei says Reshit Darko. The the beginning of its path, the path of course, the path of the Torah. It's the book of Mishlei. The point is, the point is that uh, somehow the pasuk is is annoying to Rashi. Rashi doesn't understand it because it's it's incorrect. It leads me 
it leads me to a problem, and that problem is that the Pasuk Breshit Bara Elokim, Breshit Bara Elokim, Et HaShemayim Ve'et HaAretz is, is simply incorrect. So how do I get incorrect to be inc- to be correct? I take that word Breshit, and I say it's really a combination of two words, B and Reshit. And the B, the B, right, says is is like a short form of the word Bishvil. So we have to read the pasuk of Bishvil Reshit Bara Elokim et It was because of the Reshit that God created everything. Now, what's Reshit? So the Medrash goes on to quote all kinds of good things that are. Reshit. All kinds of good things that are Reshit. So, uh, so here in the Rashi itself, because of Bishvil HaTorah, should equate Reshit in other words. Like I say, if you have a Torah, you have to have people who keep the Torah. You can't just have a Torah where, where, where there's no one committed to keeping the Torah. The second thing is Bishvil Yisrael. Israel, and so you need Israel. You need Israel to have, according to according to Chazal, you need Israel in order. Why do you need Israel? I mean, what they do, they always do good things. They don't always do the good things. What 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 is the need that we have for Israel? Well, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, wanted to express the Rachamim. That was part of the nature of God. And so you needed something to have Rachamim upon. And so the Rachamim was about B'nai Yisrael. That's what the Pasuk says. And this is what Rashi calls Drash. I mean, it's not the commentary that most people would give automatically, but it's ideological. It says something about Breshit. It says something about what the first book of the Torah is. It explains, according to Rashi, why the first book of the Torah starts with the story of creation and not with the mitzvot of HaKadosh All of that is covered by what Rashi is teaching us, right? And then Rashi says, if if you want to know pshat, pshat means a closer connection to the words that are written without separating the bet from reshit. Make it into two words, bishvil reshit. Let's do it straightforward, right? In a straightforward, forward way. Uh, Rashi. Rashi, you see that Rashi has a, a, a feeling for, an understanding of the fact that a pasuk, a word, can have multiple meanings simultaneously. This did not bother Rashi. And this is something that Rashi taught us, all of us, 
that psukim, that words, are not limited. They're not limited to the first entry in the dictionary. But if you look at the dictionary, you find that many, many words have different entries, and each entry has a different meaning, and each different meaning may not even be related to the others, right? You now want me to teach you what the Pasuk means in the Pshuto manner. In the beginning of the creation of the heavens and the earth, a kind of a title. Kind of a title. It's like that the Pesukim that are listed by us, one, two, three, which are, I mean, you know, we don't have to follow that. We can make one, two, three into one long Pesuk. And that's what Rashi said. And and that's the Pesuk that describes the beginning of creation. The Loba Mikra. And you have to understand that the Pesach is not there to teach us that certain things came before the creation. Oshech and Mayim and Ruach. Because if the Pesach's intention was to teach us that First, before anything else, the heavens were created. So according to Rashi, Bereshit bara is the background, the background noise, okay? Background noise of the... So if the question was, if the question was, why does the Torah teach us about the creation before it teaches us about the mitzvot? So the answer that Rashi gives is, after all, the mitzvot are connected to the promise. The promise that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to B'nai Yisrael that to Avram Avinu, that they would inherit the land, that they would inherit the land, and so the Torah knew or understood that the people, the Jewish people, would have difficulty with the idea that they should go and conquer the land of the Canaanites, not because conquest was bad and not because, but having recognized the fact that God created the world and that God had dominion on that created world. I mean, doesn't that mean, doesn't that mean according to, according to Rashi and the Medrash, doesn't that mean that they were put there, that the Canaanites were put in Eretz Yisrael by HaKadosh Baruch And shouldn't that be as valid a promise 
in a manner of speaking, as valid a promise to the Canaanites as the promises to the uh, to the Yisraelim, to the to the Jews. And so Akadosh Bovo had to teach them in Breshit that God created the world and that God owns the world. And just as God could put the Canaanites in Canaan, God could take the Canaanites out of Canaan. And maybe, it may be that ultimately there is a, a sort of a compensation. If the Jews come to the conclusion that creation implies that anything can happen according to God, Nevertheless, God enabled Yoshua and gave him the opportunity to act against the Canaanites and say, you know, if you Canaanites want to make peace with us, then we will make peace with you. If you don't want to fight us, because after all, you're really fighting against God and fighting against God is unacceptable even, even to our thinking. So God enabled the Jews to have a, a way of recognizing the evil nature of the Canaanite people. They were not able to accept the idea that if they made peace, if they made peace with the Jewish people, they would be spared. They would be spared. So we started off talking about Moshe Rabbeinu and how the four books of the Torah kind of are, are the reality. And the first book of the Torah didn't fit into that conception. But now we see that according to Rashi, the first book of the Torah is a condition on having the rest of the Torah. Because the first book of the Torah means unconditional acceptance of divine demands. The rest of the Torah is the attempt that many Israel had made, they didn't always succeed to follow that directive. And to live according to the to the rules of a Kaddish book. Well, I'm happy that I was able to do say something about Bereshit. Yitz Hashem will continue next week with the book of with the parasha of Noah. All the best to you. Be well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much, Rabbi. All the best.